on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. Good evening and welcome to tonight's Orient Hour. I'm Jamie Stripe, sitting in for Billy Herring again, as we look back on the past week's events involving the Mighty O's. Believe it or not, we finally have some football to talk about this week, as we look back on Orient's long-anticipated FA Cup tight Stoke City. We'll also be looking back at last night's Q&A session held by the club regarding the recommendations of the Crouch Report into football governance. And there'll be we getting reaction from Kenny Jackett following that game at Stoke. And later on, we'll be hearing from the legend himself, Dave Victor, with another Victor's View. We'll also have time to give Oldham and the EFL a good kick in before we sign off. And at 7.40, we're hoping for a special mystery guest. And as ever, I'm joined by some top guests. And tonight, our panel is made up of some long-time Orient watchers. Richard Priest. Hey, Jamie. All right, fella. And I'm glad to say Christian Wheel is in the house. Good evening, Christian. Evening, mate. How you doing? All right, sir. Lovely to have you in this evening. So let's kick off with that trip to Stoke City and Orient's first visit there in 30 years. We lined up as follows. Vigaru, Mitchell, Beckles, Ogie, Clay, Wood, Prattley, Kiprianu, Paul Smith, Harry Smith and Aaron Drynan. It finished Stoke City 2, late in Orient Neil, and after the game, Kenny Jackett took time out to have a chat to Dave Victor. Well, Kenny, thanks for joining us. A disappointing result, but the performance? Yeah, performance was good. We haven't played for a little while. It looked like we had some enthusiasm to play and were quite fresh. And I know from the players, they've been looking forward to this game as well and looking forward to getting back and playing. Um, uh, the, for, for the game, the performance level was there. We created a lot of chances, obviously against a good side, but ultimately there's frustration there because we didn't take those chances. And, and, and um, we had big chances as well in both halves of the game. Big chances and big shouts for penalties as well. Yeah, I thought that um, there was a, you know, a good shout for a handball, uh, definitely. Um, I, I thought the, the Darren Prattley one, I wasn't quite so sure. You know, he's maybe uh, dipping his head a little bit, so I didn't think that one was. But I did think the first one, you know, was a, was a clear handball. And you know, when you're a, away from the ball and the ball travels some some way, um, uh, and you know, it, it's clearly then played by the hand. It has to be. You know, there's sometimes when you know it's point blank range and it's and it's close reaction and maybe the arms in the natural position. Then then it's different. But for, for that one, you know, the ball had travelled some way, and uh, yeah, I did think it was a clear pen. Went had most of the chances, but it was Stoke who took theirs very well. Yeah, they did. They're quite ruthless, as you you know you would expect as a Championship side. And and but in both halves we did have you know a lot of chances. And 
you know, some frustration from myself because ultimately we need to put those away to give us something to, to, to build on and some momentum. But, you know, we should be encouraged by what we've done in the FA Cup. It should be encouraged by the, the fact that we have created a lot of chances today. We want to we want to finish them, but we do know as well that, you know, for our boys up front, their finishing is good. You know, that we have got we have got good finishes in there. So we have to, you know, keep, keep providing the type of chances that we did today for them. And, and, and that's important. And, th- and then try to, you know, look forward now. If we can get somewhere near our best side fit I've always said you know I think our best side is is a pretty good side in league two and and it's just when we maybe need to move off that that we've lacked a little bit of depth some good young players definitely but you know right now it's 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 getting our our best players and our best our best side uh, fit available and keeping them fit and available uh, 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 for the the second half of the season and talking about that best side, there was no Theo Archibald uh, this afternoon. What's the news there, Kenny? Yeah, he got injured on Thursday in training. He'll be out maybe a fortnight. That's how it looks. So not not, not too bad. And, and we hope to have him back quick because you know his, his, his power in the wide positions can you know really give us something that that we haven't got in the club. Uh, uh, you know, apart from him. And does it look as if Alex Mitchell and Theo Archibald will be staying now? Uh, for. Um, uh, Archibald is past his date, so yes. Uh, and uh, um, for, for Alex Mitchell, he's got until the the 14th. So you know we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed for a, for the next few days. But but the signs are good that that um, you know Millwall are, are pleased with what he's done here and pleased with his development here as well, and do want to keep him here. That's where the signs are. The transfer window is open. Where are the priorities, Kenny? Yeah, we, we do need. I think we need to strengthen. I think we need more depth. Um, if we're going into a run of games on, you know, where we're going to play Saturday, Tuesday, you can see with the rearranged games, there's, you know, we'll, we'll suddenly hit five games in 14 days. You know, we do need a deeper squad. We've got some good young players, but um, we're, we're, we're looking to strengthen definitely all over. And uh, you know, for, for us. To, to, to make sure we come out the end of January as, as strong as possible and, and with, a, with, with a squad that has a chance because you know while I'm saying you know do, do everything I can to keep my, my best team fit and I do think that's quite a good team re, you know reality will, will, will be a little bit different and not just with injuries but, but with COVID as well in the next few months. Can I widen the conversation, please, Kenny? When we last spoke, it was after Tramere. You were talking about the COVID situation, the need for other teams to be honest. Yeah. Here we are at the FA Cup. None of the games have been postponed because of COVID. What, did you see, what are your thoughts about the situation going forward? Yeah, I can only speak for, for our, our own club. You know, we had six changes from one Tranmere game to the next, you know, in FA Cup to league. And, and that was in a two-week period. Uh, but, um, you know, they're, they're, they're different times. Ultimately, I can only talk about our own club and our own availability and, and, and dealing with the situation as well. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I hope now that we, we can go, you know, on a run of games, a run of successful games with players fit. But as you say, in terms of the COVID situation, you know, there, there has to be some consistency in it, definitely, from club to club. And finally, almost a 1,000 travelling fans. They were magnificent, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Enjoyed enjoyed the day, enjoyed the performance, I'm, I'm sure like me would you know be going home thinking we needed to finish those chances and and if we did we had a chance so some frustration in there, there with them but you know as ever you know for this season they, they've been excellent and really really good and, and you know my job is to just continue to work at the link between the players and the supporters that's that's the manager's job and and that link is such a such a key one if, if the supporters are encouraged by what they see on the on the pitch that does you know, tend to become a link and, and performance level dictates that. 
Thank you, Kenny, and good luck for 2022. Thanks, pal. Thank All you. the best. Well, there you have it. A few takes from that conversation. Created some big chances, some frustration there. Good shout for a penalty. We should be encouraged by what we've done in the Cup. We should look forward to the second half of the season and maybe a telling a squad that has a chance added at the end. Richard, I thought we didn't disgrace ourselves, but I came out thinking we missed a good chance to get into round four. Were you happy with how we performed overall? Yeah, I, mean, I thought we were the better team, to be honest. Um, I thought first half, I thought first half we, we looked better and you know, they probably came back into it, but I thought in the second half, for me, I thought we really stepped up. Um, it felt a bit like you know, the story of the season so far. You know, We played really well, but we just weren't taking some of those clinical chances and you know, Drynan's miss from the header was, oh, you know, <laughs> they really should have at least been on target. Um, Soteros was a little bit harder, but again, it should have been on target, really. Harry Smith had a couple of good chances, and I think the overall feeling was more just frustration at the end because, you know, I, I think they were there for the taking, really. I mean, they, the, the away support seemed a lot better than home support, um, so I think the, the players were, were, were in it a lot more than Stokes. But I mean, Stokes players, really, they, they just didn't really seem that bothered. I mean, they never really... To be fair, probably got out sort of second gear. I don't think they, you know, they they but they were clinical, and I think that that that's the difference at that level. You know, they they took the the few chances that they had, and and we didn't take the the chances that we had, and we had a lot more chances, unfortunately. Yeah, Chris, Christian, usually there's a big step up in class when you take on the championship side, but I thought we matched them in most areas. Did the way we played surprise you, seeing we've had the three week break? Um, not really. I I think they're probably chomping at the bit. Um, there, oh, there was probably some reservations that we might run out of puff, but to Richard's point, I think it's a it's a real missed opportunity. Really, I wasn't. Uh, I, I'm glad that most like Stoke, like most teams this week, um, that obviously there was no COVID call-offs. Uh, Davix has just alluded to that. Most teams seem to go full strength fish, which they did, and we more than matched them. I just think, yeah, it was a missed opportunity. I think we had a a, a real good go, but. Again, to Richard's point, I just think that's that's the difference in levels, really. I think, you know, although we have scored a number of goals at times, I'm still not convinced that Dryden and, and Big Smith are, are natural goal scorers. And I think every chance that we got on, on Sunday, even Ruel's, you know, all, all of them have been snatched at. Uh, and, you know, their last goal near the end, just, just a touch of class. I think the, the, the two main takeaways for me is that... Um, one little Smith, I think if we can, you know, I think we've we've spoken about him so much, and you know, it's been a bit of a laugh and a joke at times. But he showed true quality on on Sunday. I think he was a real bright spark for us. And obviously, if we can keep him fit, he he should be like a new signing for us. And unfortunately for for Craig Clay, he's you know, it, it was shown that maybe. I think maybe against the championship team, it highlighted it a bit more, but he's not a right back, I think. We miss him in the engine room and a couple of times the, the poor bloke needed a corkscrew to get himself out of the yeah. ground. He, he really did get twisted up a few times. So I think that's a... We'll, we'll probably come on to it, but obviously transfer-wise, we do need a right back. Yeah, I mean, I was, was going to add that I mean, we've not seen much of Smith this season. What do you think he's actually going to bring to us? If he gets a run in the team, do you think that little operating behind... The front two is, is that his best position, or do you think playing up front? Yeah, I think uh, I think in behind. Um, I think he, he liked to play free up front, so he could find himself on on the on the the right of that. But I would I would prefer Clay and Hector 
getting around the pitch and giving us some legs and then giving him the freedom in behind. I think the the difference being obviously, you know, I think I mentioned it last time I was on, I think he'll just have a more positive impact on the game than than Kemp. I think he'll worry teams a lot more. I think he's a lot brighter, he's a lot more energetic. I think he's just he's just got that that little bit of, of higher quality that, that Kemp hasn't got. He's been around the leagues a bit more. He's been around a you know, he's had some Promotions, I think, with Wickham and things like that, so he knows his way around the league. And I just think if we can get him fit, he could be the the bright spark that that we need to to open teams up, really. Yeah, I think it was a bit unlucky that we never had Archibald in the starting lineup because that's basically our probably strongest team. And I think he would have made a real difference for us, Richard, if we played. Yeah, I mean, I think like most people, you know, when his name wasn't on there, first of all, I. I just feared the worst. I really did. I really wish sometimes the club would say he's injured or something. Well, he didn't have to make us all suffer before the kickoff. But it's good to know that he's probably staying on now. Um, but I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Dio Archibald. You know, and I think I've mentioned it before. You know, it, him on the left hand side, not at the wing back position for me. I, I mean, I think Connor would play well enough certainly that yeah. he should be in that position now. Um, you know, for me, Archibald on the left. I think for me, Paul Smith. I'd like to see him out on the right or that one just behind. He, he has played up front, and it, it didn't work for me when he's when he sort of played on the, the front too. Um, but Archibald, Paul Smith, and then either Harry Smith or Dryan. And I mean, you would think with those two on the wing, it would be Harry Smith in the middle. I mean, I, I still kind of dream of that front three really with Smith and Archibald on the wings putting the balls in. I, I think they'd be brilliant. You know, I really think that no one in the league would compete with those two on the wings. But you know, whether we get to see that because. I think it seems that Kenny Jackett's quite set in the way he wants to play now. It looks like we're going to be playing with that that man behind, Mm -hmm. which you think then would be Paul Smith. So where that leaves Archibald, I assume when he's fit, he'll come... Well, well, I don't know when our next game's going to be, but when he comes back, I'm guessing he'll fit straight into that left wing-back position again. But it just feels slightly wasted for me, a bit like kind of Brophy was last season. Um, And I'd like to see him further up. Um, But as I say, you know, the only way we may see that, I think, is if results start going against us when we're playing because I think Kenny Jackett will react to the wrong results, so he will make a change. And whether that's a change that he maybe thinks that we need, because I certainly would like to see it. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm delighted he's staying, and I, I think he can make a massive difference to Archibald. Yeah, yeah. Um, who do you think were the standout performance, performers for us on um, Sunday? Def- definitely Little Smith for yeah. me. Yeah, definitely Little Smith for me. Um, and touching on that, the, the Archibald thing, I think... It's a bit of a blessing in disguise, I think, that he's he's been injured because that's probably forced their arm a little bit if there was any sort of consideration of him going back. Yeah. Um, you know, that might have done us a favour and and hopefully touch wood. Mm-hmm. Same with same with Mitchell. I think he I think he's loans up um, uh, on uh, Friday, the fourteenth, yeah. yeah. So Touchwood. Um so I think he was pretty solid. Uh, it'd have been nice for him to Get a goal. Yeah. There's another one of them chances that he could have maybe headed back the way it came. But yeah, I think it collectively, I think it was a quite a solid performance on on Sunday, and it will definitely give them a platform to build on. Um, there, I think you can see from Harry Smith's tweet today that there's obviously going to be some frustration there because they've played very well on Sunday. They've got a week's break. Um, you know, they'd have all been chomping at the bit to get going again on on Saturday or bite against a team that's struggling, probably looking at three points, and, you know, we've got another call-off. Yeah, yeah, it's all frustrating all round. Um, do you think one or two of our players looked a bit out of sorts after half-time, and you know, do you think someone such as Real Sotira should have come on just a little bit sooner? I think one of the things the game actually did was, as you know, we mentioned Clay, but I think 
it highlighted where, where we need strengthening, basically, because obviously we, we discussed right back. Clay shouldn't have been there. I think in the middle is where, again, we, we, we sort of lost out again. Um, you know, Hector and Prattley, I don't think, you know, that was probably our weakest position on the pitch, I think, in that middle. Um, and as we mentioned about Clay being moved into right back, I think it shows that we need a right back and we need centre midfielders, um, at, at least one, maybe even two. Um, because, you know, Hector seems to be missing all the odd game with, with injuries and, you know, Prattley's 35, 36 now. And, and, and Clay, you know, we're moving, our, in my opinion, our best midfielder to a position that he's not a natural in. And it's, it, kind of, it didn't cost us that game, but, you know, it, it, we lose him when he's not in the middle there. And, you know, I think it kind of highlighted that. I mean, you know, in, in regards to Rule, um, you know, I'll be honest, at half-time I was thinking, that the, the first half that Dryan and I'd had, I was thinking, you know, it's, sometimes you just know it's not going to be a player's day. But to be fair to Dryan, and I've thought that before, and he's, he's ended up with a hat-trick kind of thing. So, you know, I think it was right probably to keep him on. Um, but he's probably our most natural finisher at the club as well. Um, but he doesn't, I don't know. I mean, I can't work out whether Jacket's a fan or not. He does. He talks well about Soterio. I like Soterio, but... You know, I I just think sometimes he's, you know, he's he's going to be the one that comes on and nicks. I did think that when he originally broke through, he seemed like one of those players, but it just hasn't really happened yet. And it was probably the only option we had to bring on, really. So, mm. uh, I mean, okay, I wouldn't say he changed it up much when he came on. He, he had the chance, but you know, I think again, potentially maybe we we would look up an up front position maybe for the transfer window. I'm not sure. Mm. It sounds ridiculous when we've scored as many goals as we have, but. It just feels like maybe that's somewhere we're still lacking as yeah, well. Yeah. I'm not so sure that Kenny Jackett's having having brawl at all. I don't yeah. think. As you, to your point, I think Sunday was the prime example to take one of those those off and and, and get him on. Um, I always feel like it's a bit of a last sort of spin of the dice yeah. when he comes on. Um, Throw him on see if he can buy us a goal. Yeah, he just that stinks sometimes of of, of desperate and. It, you, he just wasn't going to be one of their day on, on, on Sunday, so that was the perfect chance to give him a run. And I, to Richard's point, I do think he is the most natural finisher out of a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. Now, Christian, I know you're a big fan of Hector Cipriano. Yeah. That was a tough welcome back for him after that you know, injury. Are you yep. pleased with the way he's progressing now? Um, I think I said it last time I was on. I think probably that his, his injury and, and obviously the COVID break we had probably come at the worst time because so I think he just started stringing four or five decent um, performances together uh, I think it will be a, a, still a learning curve for him um, and there will be games where he does do three or four good games and then he might put a couple of stinkers together and he needs to come out and, and then come back off the bench and you know young kids do need that to Richard's point, though, I do think I always look at our midfield and think we're not dynamic enough. Yeah. And it, and again, that highlighted it on Sunday when Clay's not in there. I'd still like a, a real box-to-box, hard-faced midfielder that's just gonna gonna get about the pitch because I just think you know even more so now we're gonna go Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and some of those games we're gonna be lethargic and we're gonna be you know maybe down to bare bones and you know it's going to be a battle of attrition and I think at the moment to me you know you, you've got one starting his career and one at the end but to me Prattley and, and Hector together he's not if I was going up against that I'd fancy my chances if you had some runners to, to run off the back of them too yeah yeah. Um, Kenny said we should be taking the positives into the second half of the campaign do you share his optimism and where can we improve 
yeah, I mean, he, the thing is, that's all he can say, really. I mean, we, we played well, you know, we, we did. We, we more than matched the championship team, so there, were, there certainly were positives there. But, you know, it's, it's another frust- a frustrating away performance. And, you know, obviously we were against a championship team, but, we, you know, we, we were the better team, you know. And, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you know, there's not, I don't know when we can take it on because obviously now we know that we're not playing the next yeah. game. But, you know, it's... You know, how are they going to play this going forward? You know, I mean, to be honest, the game, by the next time we play, it's probably going to be a bit of a memory, to be honest. So, you know, there's probably not much they can take into it. But, yeah, I mean, this, there was a lot of positives to take out of the game. There, there really was. I mean, I know when the draw was made, there was a lot of people, uh, you know, it's only Stoke and I, was, we, we, I wanted Tottenham or Arsenal, you know. Um, but to be honest, when I saw it, the first thing I thought was, you know, it's probably, a, a possibly, a, not probably a winnable game, but it's possibly a winnable yeah. game. Um, and we played better than I thought we would, to be honest. I mean, you know, there was a lot of um, cup upsets over the weekend, you yeah. know. And I remember, you know, on Saturday and on Sunday, I was thinking, you know, I didn't want to say, I'd never say anything out loud about this, but I was thinking inside, you know, we could do, you know, this could be us here. I, I really did. As the more the game was getting closer, I was thinking, you know, actually, I quite. And then, you know, even at the start, I was thinking, actually, you know, we're playing so well here. And so, you know, there was a lot of positives to take out of it. It's just, again, it's the, it's the, it's the same frustrations. I think that's what the thing is. It's the same things that we're probably doing wrong and that we're not, uh, not addressing. But, you know, I mean, how often can you say, you know, it's you know, a silly mistake at the back or we've, we've missed some absolute sitters there, really? Yeah. That seems to be what it is. And, and it's especially away from home, which is another frustrating thing and, and certainly something because... You know, the atmosphere on Sunday, that, that could have been a home game, really. Yeah. I mean, probably in a league game, the away fans, you wouldn't get drowned out, but you'd feel you were, that was a home game. But with a stadium that was as empty as that seemed to be, you know, and, and the noise that I could see watching it that the Orient fans were making, it, you know, that could have that should have been that home game atmosphere, yeah. really. So, you know, that's another frustrating side of it as well. Yeah, yeah. A good turnout for me, O as well done, everybody, if you got up there. Right, OK, thank you very much, gentlemen. Time to leave the potteries now and move on. Uh, we did hope to have Matt Roper, editor of Pandemonium Fanzine and member of the Loft Committee on the phone this evening, but he has done an Oldham and can't be with us tonight. However, in true Orient style, we'll try and bring the next part of the show. Now, last night, Nigel Travis and Danny Macklin held an open Q&A session outlining Orient's response to recommendations to the Crouch Report into football governance. And on the whole, they were getting behind this report. Uh, Richard, are you surprised at the way the club has responded to it? Um, not really. I mean, I think it's, you know everything that's kind of mentioned was kind of expected, really. Um, you know, I've only caught part of it myself, to be honest. So, you know, it's you know how do they move forward from here? You know, it's it, there's there's quite a lot of things to discuss. I think really, it's not going to be something that's a, a quick fix or something that's going to be changed quickly. Um, so, you know, it's it's one of those things. I think really where. You know, we've heard these sort of things before where we're, something's going to change, something's going to happen and, and, and nothing really does. Mm. So I think, from, you know, from my point of view, I'd like to see something happen quite quickly or otherwise it's just going to be another one of these conversations that we have that, yeah. that kind of gets lost in the background, really. Yeah. Christian, you know, it's no secret that a year ago, Nigel Travis and Rick Parry were not fans of the idea of an independent football regulator. Has seeing the way football is run, situations such as Derby County, changed their minds in your view? I'm for an I'm for an independent football regulator. Full stop. Um, purely and simply because, to Richard's point, we, it kind of goes around in circles where this sort of thing is highlighted and is brought up. Um, but you know, I think I've said it over and over again on our WhatsApp chat. Until until the people in the Premier League don't, you know, normally when a positive change comes 
or there's pressure for a positive change to come from the Football League, that's going to be a detriment either the reallocation of funds or something that they don't like. And unfortunately, until the, the powers at the top are made to see the better good for, you know, there's more than the Premier League out there. Exactly. Step the, one to 13. Exactly. Um, I don't, I'm always a little bit sceptical skeptical about how much change can be done. Um, the two things I took from that, you know, I watched it today back. Um, they are very intent on change um, across our board and everyone connected with Leighton Orient. They obviously do are pushing for positive change, um, and that can only be a good thing. Um, but obviously, they'll need supporting numbers. Um, and then the other good thing for me was hearing Nigel saying that there will be money there uh, in the transfer window to add to the squad. So that was. That was posit- two positive things I took away from. But, you know, I think there's, there's a million things that could change in football. But for me, until you get away from the Premier League being the, the Beal and Endo and those sort of being in charge, you know, I'm not, I'm not being funny, you know, you, a year ago, whatever it was, we was talking about the Super League and mm-hmm. that was rubbish and that, now they're on to their next venture and now we're being told that, the, you know, they're going to play the World Cup every two years. It, the, the whole game is is totaled around around money, and I, I, until someone comes in from the outside and actually says, "Well, you know, that there's a there's 96 clubs or whatever it may be that that you know there's concerns there," then I, I can't see it because you've only got to look over the last couple of years. You know, obviously we went for our troubles, but you know, Oldham are going for it now. There's it it, it, it happens every year. You look at you look at Derby. I think they they bought, they touched on it. Uh, at the age, um, at this 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 um, fans evening that they had, that you know, M- Mel Morris has invested a lot of money into Derby, obviously, but then you know he, he sold the ground to another one of his his businesses under a different name. So it's like you know, you look at the the, the FIFA Fair Play and and, and all all that revenue investigations that they look to, but you know, if you're if you're setting up companies and then for those companies sponsoring the club or paying 10 times over the odds for, you know, sponsorship or, you know, sponsorship of the training ground, you're just flaunting them rules continuously. So for me, I'm all for it. Yeah. I, I'd love to get away from the old boys club of the EFL or, or the Premier League. Yeah, I think the, the main reason why fans are kind of pushing for this is the EFL and the FA just seem to be powerless and, you know, they, they can't govern the... The, the the tournaments they're supposed to be kind of running it's just it's just ridiculous. I think you've only got to look at the the recent COVID, yeah, sort of cancellations. That to me the EFL couldn't run a bath. So I've got I've got no confidence in them, you know, pushing anything forward. And it, as I say, until you've got some a cross between maybe old players, um, some up some you know some some power business people from from other. You know verticals and mix that with some legal people. I don't. I just don't see how you, you're going to stop those those Premier League people taking all the cash and looking after themselves. Well, they're in a massive position of power. But obviously, some people will argue that you know, obviously the the Premier League makes a, a huge amount of money and it does come through football. But there's not enough trick. There's not enough trickling down. They'll say. 
the, the English game needs a strong Premier League, but I think we all know that you know they're just holding on to too much money. It needs to be more fairly distributed. Yeah, but then where do you stop? You, you also need a strong FA. You know, you yeah. you, you talk about kids where where are kids going to play football. You know, there's a more pressing concern that you know kids these days are, are, are clubs are have nowhere to train because people will build these astros or schools will t- build an astro, and then they're they're forced to sort of use a company to rent them out and then you know that suddenly they're charging 250 quid for a quarter of a pitch for for an hour there's there's more pressing issues further down the pyramid that you know you could go on forever i just yeah. think a, an independent regulator could start from the bottom and work up rather than starting from the the, the top and working down yeah definitely definitely uh, Richard, does Crouch report notes professional clubs have collapsed into insolvency 62 times since the 1992 Premier League breakaway, leaving trails of unpaid debts from administrations? Is this report going to push away from scenarios like this in the future? Well, I mean, that's the idea of it, I guess. But, you know, as I sort of said, it's, I've heard this so many times before and, and nothing seems to have happened. And, you know, as we, we mentioned Oldham and Derby as examples there. And, you know, Berry was only a couple of years ago. You know, it's... The, the one thing I think that surprises me more is that there haven't been more teams that have gone that way and, and, and completely vanished, to be honest. Um, you know, you've still got people like Guardiola calling for, for B teams to be in the leagues and, and, and ridiculous things like this. And, you know, it's... I think... I mean, I saw last night, actually, Arsenal-Chelsea played in the... Uh, like, the under-23s played in the... Um, the Papa John's. Yeah, that's, I always forget the name, yeah. Um, and I think it was at the Emirates. I mean, I, I can only imagine what the, the attendance for that was. I don't, I don't know, but... You know, they they won four one, but I mean, I don't know what it ends with. But was anyone bothered about it? Did any you know what was the in that sort of stadium? I didn't even see. I think I think going back to that point, I think we looked it up before, didn't we? I think only four out of say fifteen of those under twenty three teams qualified this year. Yeah. For me, I'd rather you have to you have to loan five under twenty three players to your nearest club in the pyramid because you know I, I think I've made my point quite strongly. Under twenty three football is, is is nonsense. The mm. sooner you can go back to either getting kids out on loan or at the right time of their career, or going back to a proper reserve yeah, league. I was going to say the old time reserve football, I mean, the Pontins League, or whatever it was. You know, back in the, I don't know whether they'd ever do that, but back in the day, if you if you didn't play ninety minutes or you was on the bench or you come back from injury, you would you would play in the reserve league on a Wednesday afternoon, and you know internationals should be playing. Why do you think that is now, though? Why are coaches reluctant to mix their pro professionals with the under twenty threes in I the just, league system? I just think it's a current indictment of, of football that it's you know there's they take on far too many, uh, far too many children, far too many players. You know if you look at if you look at squad, I think someone come on for Arsenal the other day he was wearing number eighty eight or or whatever it is. You know and I you've only got a I think there was a lot of um, noise and a lot of positive feeling around um, the last couple of England campaigns that all of those boys have done their time mm. in the lower leagues mm. and for me as I say I would I'd, I would much prefer my son to go out and get lower league football league experience whether that you know you start in a conference and you, you work your way up but you can't beat competitive men's football rather than possession-based under-23s football that, you know, there's there's not three points attached to it, there's not the intensity attached to it, you know, I'll go and watch I'll go and watch under-23 games most weeks and 
to be quite honest, you know, most of them kids, if they got released tomorrow, they're they're going to drift out of football because the harsh reality is most of them are not are not you know up to the cut and thrust of Division Two football, and that's why, you know, Mitchell for for someone like that, a first year pro, they obviously really really like him. We got in and around the first team. They give him a three-year deal, right? Go and earn your stripes in Division Two. That will that will stand that kid in 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 so much better stead than treading water in the under twenty threes every week. Yeah, yeah. Finally, on this one, uh, Richard, the golden share is being put forward as giving supporters the important say over heritage issues such as club kit, the badge, and the sale of football stadia. Can that work in English football? Well, I mean, it's, it's something new, right? But, you know, it could do. Um, you know, I've not really heard too much about that, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, you know, there's probably some good ideas there that people can have and, and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, I think that side of it really kind of led to the marketing areas, really. I mean, how much difference something like that would make, I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you've, you've probably got quite a lot of good ideas interacting with not yeah. things like that, I think, yeah. yeah. I think we're going to uh, wait and see for a bit of pushback from the Premier League. I'm sure there's more to come from them. And food for thought as usual. Now, thank you for that panel. Now, I think we're going to go on to Victor's view. Our first league match of 2022 should have been against bottom of the table in Old Athletic. I was looking forward to it, but of course we've just heard that it's been the latest league fixture to be stricken by this strange Covid virus. It doesn't affect FA Cup ties, it only strikes teams that are playing for league points. It just feels so wrong for me. Of course the New Year started with of an encouraging performance, but a disappointing result. Against the strong Stokes side, the O's created the majority of chances. The difference was that City scored from theirs. Stokes opener surely highlighted the priorities for this transfer window. Doherty's pace enabled him to cause problems down our right. A low cross picking out Tom Mintz, who was not tracked back by the Orient midfielders. A replacement for the injured Tom James at right back, together with strengthening our midfield, has to be top of the transfer committee's agenda. Paul Smith, again impressed, if he remains fit, Paul could be an important player in the remaining months of the campaign, as could be Theo Archibald. And it was good to hear Kenny Jacket explain after Sunday's match that our Lincoln City Loney will be remaining knee 10. Let's hope Theo's injury isn't a serious one. Now, three straight defeats for Kenny Jacket's men. They need to return to winning ways. Two sides who took maximum points from us in December have been pressed since those matches. Crawley have won in the course in E10 and now just two places below the O's having put together a three match winning run including Saturday's success at High Flyers Northampton whilst Tramere have now won six and drawn one in the league conceding only two goals in the process this is the sort of consistency that Leighton Orient must aspire to achieve in the new year once we get back into action Finally, on Monday, I was so sad to hear of the passing of the former BBC Radio Nottingham commentator, Colin Slater. Colin was a master of his craft. He brought knowledge, passion and humour to every match. You may recall that Orient's former owner had given manager who led late Orient to Wembley in the League One playoffs, Russell Slade, an automation. He had to beat Notts County or he would be sacked. It shocked the faithful 
and after a fighting display but a draw, none of us knew what was going to happen next. It was Colin who was simply amazing. He has access to all access areas of Meadow Lane, such was his standing at the club. Colin knew and respected Russell from his days as a coach at Notts County. Colin was aware of where the meeting would be taking place and he waited at the door whilst I waited in the players' tunnel. It had gone 11 and Colin was still waiting. He came down to see if I would be prepared to continue to wait. We were both willing to do so. It was late into night, everywhere else was locked up and Colin appeared with Russell. It was one of the most memorable and most interesting interviews I've ever conducted. It was all because of Colin's generosity and his willingness to give up his own time to help both Russell and I. Simply an astonishing man. It's reflected why he earned such a special place in the hearts of everyone who was fortunate to have known such a special man. He will be missed. Well, Dave, the curse of the call-off has struck again as Oldham have applied for Saturday's game to be postponed and they have got their wish. Of course, the reaction has been angry to say the least. Here's what Harry Swift had to say on Twitter. This all stinks. Please someone tell me when on earth injuries were ever a factor in a game being cancelled. All a load of rubbish. Four games in a row cancelled, yet we were told we must play when we were in the same situation a month ago. And uh, Orient Braces made this point, totally lost interest, non-league gets my money now. Now, it's no secret that Oldham are another one of those crisis clubs whose fan base are at odds with the people running the club. And it does resemble the final days of the Pichetti administration here. You do wonder if this call-off is as much down to the toxic atmosphere surrounding match days as it is related to covid Christian, have we reached a point where clubs need to start claiming the points and kick up a stink over this? I don't think call-offs like this would be tolerated at amateur level. Oh, it's just turned into a shambles, isn't it? I just think, uh, I think Rich said before, it's Wednesday. How, 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 how are they calling games off on a Wednesday? I think, to Harry Smith's point, the injuries the injuries shouldn't even come into it. Like uh, To his point, when have injuries ever, whenever they come into it, you know, that's what, your substitutes, bench, your reserves, your youth team, whatever it may be, and you know, I, I, I've got a bit of stick for it, and, and people say that's that's not the way to go. But I still hark back to you know, I think it was proper naive of us to play at Tranmere um, purely and simply because everyone's at it, and I just think if we were struggling, then you know, sometimes you've got to bend the rules a little bit, and it just seems that everyone's everyone's doing it. I, I just think. You know, this one's bad enough. It was on a Wednesday, but, you know, the one the other week, Bristol Rovers, was just a joke. I think me and Rich were talking before, and, you know, the day before Joe Barton's coming out and saying they've got one fit defender, and then they're not staying over, and then they're leaving on the coach in the morning, and suddenly it's off. You know, I just... it They've got they've got to work out a way of, of, of thinking about, you know, how, how they go forward with this, because, you know, the cynic in me thinks that you know, there's whispers that Oldham are going to sell. Does a new owner say, you know, call that off, I can take over tomorrow, bring in new investment, we'll have five new players by the next time we play. You know, that's that's the cynic in me. I just think it's, it's turned into a bit of a shambles. And for us, I think we're going to be playing Saturday, Tuesday for a while. And if you get on a, if you get on a good run, obviously it's great. But at the minute, I think I said it last time I was on, I think the pressure's on at the minute. Yeah. Uh, I think we've lost three games on the trot. We're slipping further down the table. You know, we're we're going into real the business time of the season, and we got to play catch up because teams don't fancy. It. And and now we're we're going to have some tricky away days 
midweek that are, are not around the corner, you know, and, and, and bottom line as well is adding to our cost. Yeah. Yeah, because the COVID protocols mean we have to have double the amount of coaches and double the amount of yep. um, digs, basically. Yeah. Um, Richard, is the integrity of the season being brought into question now, and do you see it getting finished on time? I think they'll finish it on time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, of, of course that's the situation with the season. I mean, they won't want the season to go on anymore, but, I don't, you know, I think Christian's just said it all there already. It's... I mean, this is going to happen next year, the year after. You know, it's just going to, you know, how does this, you know, ultimately, you know, worst case scenario, this this could cost us this season. I think I said it beforehand, but, you know, we're now playing Tuesday, Saturday, and, you know, we're in that January, February, March cold period on Tuesday nights away. There's going to be less fans going there. The, you know, possibly the players aren't going to be as up for a Tuesday night game as they would have been on a Saturday afternoon game. You know, the teams doing this could, could ultimately cost us our season and, and getting into the playoffs potentially and you know we may see now the season kind of fizzle out because other teams are playing you know they're, they're getting in form and we're you know we're not even stop starting really I mean we've had one game in a what you know nearly a month sort of thing it feels like and you know we haven't had a home game since well I, I, even, I can't even remember because yeah. it was yeah so you know it's it's ridiculous really that we, and we're gonna have this pile up and I think even for us you know there'll be some fans that probably can't do a midweek game that could have done a Saturday game and when we know obviously tenants is always better on the Saturday than the Tuesday probably anyway so you know again and that's another thing that's going to cost us and you know it's it just you know, I think it's what as Christian just said it's it, it feels like kind of everyone's everyone else is doing it other than us you know that you know that Tranmere game is, it's and Harry Smith's right everything he says there you know that Tranmere game we, what was it four players on the bench yeah. and you know three of them youngsters it's you know, it wasn't fair that we. It doesn't seem like anyone else has had to do that. It really doesn't. I mean, maybe there is. I haven't looked into it that, you know, enough to, to to say that for certain. But you know, that's kind of what it feels like. You know, and and I also mentioned before that you know where we haven't been playing. I haven't looked at the league table as much. And you know, I was really surprised to see you know teams like Mansfield have gone above us now, and and Sutton are. A lot of, I knew they were up there with us, Sutton, but you know, they're, they're kind of running away from us now. Yeah. And you know, it's. It's taken a, a, a big shape now, the, the league table, and, and it feels like we're kind of getting left behind a little bit, really. Yeah, I mean, Andy Holt, chairman of Accrington, has said that the EFL aren't really policing this. What do you think they could or should be doing, Chris? That I, on that point, he's probably the, the the person that I like the most on Twitter. He's probably one of the most sensible football owners who's ever been. Uh, I think he's done a great job at Accrington, even the way he's remodelled the ground. But there's got to be there's got to be some way to police it. You should, as I say, you can't. You can't be calling games off on a Wednesday for for, for injuries. Then get get someone in on emergency loan, or you know, get get the youth team boys registered. I just think at the minute everyone's just doing as they please, and I think it people are doing it to suit their own situation, as I say. And if Richard also mentioned that the there's there was going to be a big protest on Saturday, so is that a reason that to contribute to it? He doesn't want to doesn't want to go through that and have more negative uh, press around it. Just think they've they've got to put a plan in place and and they've got to be consistent across all the teams. It can't be one rule for for one and one rule for the other. And as I say, harping back to it, there wasn't one cancellation at the weekend. Yeah. So if if teams want to play, they can play. Like it's not. I just think to 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 Mark's tweet as well. I feel exactly the same. I've like I've lost a lot of interest in this season purely and simply because. Just cut. I can't remember the last time I went to, went to football. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that over the Christmas, non-league was booming, wasn't it? it was some of, that is the that is the probably the best thing about it. Some of the some of the attendances over non-league were brilliant. Three thousand, four thousand. I went to a I went to a game 
I think three or four days on the trot in 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 the Christmas period and New Year period, just because you know I like to get out and watch games, and you know that's that's all you can watch at the minute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was a ridiculous crowd of five thousand at Woking. I think so. It, it just tells you that the you know the appetite's out there. So, um, do you think um, the EFL should extend the season past the seventh of May? I don't think they should and I don't think they will to be honest um, I think they'll want to get it wrapped up as soon as possible um, but I mean obviously you know it, it depends maybe we'll see that they, they need to but I, I think there'll be enough midweek games now that they'll fit it all in Okay thank you for that gentlemen now tonight's special guest mystery guest in that. Uh, could you introduce yourself sir Hello this is Peter Kitchen Ah How are you, how are you your majesty <laughs> I'm good thanks Good and uh, are you keeping well yeah, yeah, not too bad at all. Good, good. Well, you get out and do a bit of cycling. Oh, nice, nice. Well, at least, at least you're getting out and doing stuff. Not much football going around at the moment. No, no, I'm just going to watch, funny enough, I'm just going to watch uh, Spurs and uh, Chelsea. Ah, well, uh, you've got yeah. good memories of uh, both, I should think, back in your playing yeah. days. Yeah, very good. Now, um, how, was your, how, was, how was your weekend? Did you watch the O's against Stoke? I didn't see the game myself, no. I've seen the highlights on, on YouTube, um, but I didn't see the game. Right, okay. But uh, obviously the FA Cup brings back some special memories. Yeah, I mean, I mean I've got great memories of the FA Cup, you know, with with a few of the clubs I played for, you know, against um some of the big teams scoring at Anfield, the Doncaster, um scoring against Derby County when they were league top, you know, league champions in the League Cup, um and then obviously the O's uh, FA Cup run which is which is, you know, still Still talked about today, so uh, so yeah, fantastic memories of the FA Cup. Yeah, because as a player, did you always like kind of get yourself up for those kind of games? Because you can either go two ways, I suppose. You can either really get yourself up for it, or just think, oh my god, you know, I'm on the big stage. Well, no, no, I mean, you know, as a player, you want to play at the highest level. So, you know, the chance to, to play against top top sides is something you you know you really want to do, and at some of the nice stadiums. So. You know, from that point of view, you want to do that and to to show that you you can you can match the players. You know, you all want to you all want to um, as a pro, you want to get on and and as I say, play at the highest level. Show show clubs what you can do. So uh, so yeah, I used to lo- love the cup cup games as well because when you're in the sort of bread and butter of the league, you tend to it tends to become overly tactical. And by that, I mean, you know, depending on where you are in the league and who you're playing, you know, you spend uh, a lot of the time either trying to stop the other team playing um, and or trying to make sure you don't lose. There's a psychological um, effect of league games where it's, it's more bread and butter, whereas the FA Cup, you know you've, you've got to have a result. It may be a replay, but you know, eventually, you've you've got to uh, there's got to be a winner. So, you know, players seem to have a more positive attitude to, to games, and they seem to express themselves more. Did you uh, when you when you started that run in '78? Did you have an inkling it was like going to be a, a special season? Not really. No, I mean, no one really fancied us. I mean, it was my first season at the O's, and everybody always. Um, the view was that Orient were everyone's second team, you know, and they were seen as the Cinderella club, although they were in the championship, 
you know, to, in, in terms of all the other London clubs, that you know, if you were a Spurs fan, an Arsenal fan, Chelsea fan, you couldn't support one of the other big clubs. So you tended to be, it tended to be, you know, if you're in East London, it tended to be Orient. So we used to always get a lot of fans from from Spurs, Arsenal coming to watch us, uh, which obviously swelled the gate. But you know, every time we went into the game, we were we were drawn against first division opposition. Uh, apart from the fourth round against Blackburn, and Blackburn were in the top two or three sides in the league, so no one really expected us to do well. But the the one thing that stands out from that cup run is that we did it with three draws. So you know, you can't say it was a fluke. No, no, no. Because you know, to go and play a first division side either away first and then beat them at home or play them at home first and beat them away, you know, that you've got to match them in every way. And and we never really believed that that we were gonna get that far. And it was only when we got to, to the semi final I think that I think it dawned on the players that we were one game from Wembley and there was definitely a a, a sense of nervousness about the whole team. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and realizing the importance of it, and uh, I think that's when perhaps um, you know a lot of players froze, or we you know we just didn't ex- just didn't do ourselves ourselves credit. No, no. You know, it's a bit like uh, the O's on on um, Sunday at Stoke. You know, when I, I do a, a weekly column in the Yellow Advertiser, and as I was saying, you want to go to a, a, a club like Stoke. And you want to make sure you've given your all, and you've, you've, you know, made, um, you've given a good account of yourself, or the best possible account you can. Mm. And uh, so, if you lose, it's you know that's not the be all and end all. At least you can say, well, we we did our best. We tried our hardest. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think the the O's, you know, if you take in Saturday, I think that they, you know, to all intents and purposes, all the reports indicated that they really did very well and and had they have finished better they could have caused an upset yeah we, we weren't far away i have to i have to admit it's uh, one of those days where you know we had some very good chances and, and and just couldn't couldn't get over the line in that respect now during that cup run of 78 there must be some real standout memories obviously the, the goal at chelsea but what about the um, games against middlesbrough yeah i mean for me that's that's my favorite goal um against middlesbrough i mean i'm not I'm not just saying that, but but you know I sc- I scored several goals through my career by when you get in the box and dribbling. You know I, I had that ability of close control and dropping my shoulder and taking people on. So you know I'd scored quite a few goals of a similar ilk to that. And it what what makes the goals stand out is is the opposition, the level of opposition, and the importance of the game. You know, and to to go to Chelsea. Um, when when we'd already drawn the first game and we were one nil down at half time, for us to come back in the second half was was incredible. So that's always a standout memory, and, and it's great that it's you know it's it's on YouTube as such. Um, but the Middlesbrough game, um, you know, we've done a similar thing. We've gone to Ayrson Park and got a nil nil draw there, and you know to say that the team played with our backs to the wall the whole game. But, you know, it was a credit to the def- the, the defensive organisation and 
John Jackson in goal, who had an unbelievable game, that we we managed to draw. But no one really expected us to to uh, win the replay. And uh, I mean, the goal that I scored was was a you know an incredibly um, well, it was an incredibly brilliant goal because the technique of you know, the control controlling it from was very difficult. And it's one of those goals. If you tried to do that, you know, on the training pitch, it just wouldn't happen. But you know, on that night, it 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 um, it just bounced bounced right as I controlled it, and instinctively, it was an instinctive goal. Like you know, did the overhead kick, and it it went in the far corner. Could have gone anywhere. <laughs> so <laughs> when you play- fortunate, it went there. When you play up front, how important is a good partner with you? I mean, I'm thinking of Joe Mayo here. Was he one of the best ones you ever played alongside? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, if you if you look at tactically now, a lot of clubs play with one striker and then three or four around them. But they play a lot of balls on the floor. You know, if you go back to, to the 70s, um, teams didn't pass the ball as much on the floor. They They knocked a lot of aimless balls up front and sometimes you know the quality of service in the 70s was at times was atrocious and you know the passing as well wasn't that accurate so you know you'd you'd have a great big center half kicking you up the backside and you're trying to control a ball that's just been knocked aimlessly up up the ball upfield so so you know having somebody like joe we played as a partnership and and you know, I, I I used to sort of go short and pick up the pick up the first pass on the floor and look to bring people in, and then I'd spin and get round if it got knocked knocked wide, and then when we knocked the balls in, I used to you know read the flight of the ball and 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 you could you know through anticipation you can you can see more or less where the ball's going to go, whether Joe was going to get there and knock it down or whether he could just flick it on. Or whether the centre centre half's going to come through him, you know. So you 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 develop that rapport. And what was great about Joe is that he was a a really hardworking lad. He was a hundred percent hundred percent, and he wasn't um, some. He wasn't greedy. You know, if he could go for goal, head for goal, and it was on, he would head for goal. But if he if it wasn't a chance, he would look to knock it down. And so you develop that understanding as a player. And Joe, you know, Joe had good, good balls, you know, ball control, and that. So he was a smashing lad. We're still very good friends now, and we talk quite regularly. So, you know, if you ask him, he'd probably say a similar thing about myself. Um, and that's that's a great tribute to uh, to you know the pair of us as as, as a. You know, as a partnership in that team. Yeah. And uh, the season after, you ended up playing the game at uh, Ipswich Town with the Holders. Yeah, that was. Um, I mean, that really should never. We we played Ipswich at uh, Portman Road, and that should never really have been played. Uh, the ground was absolutely rock hard, and and uh, there was snow on the ground, and you know it was about minus two. Um, so we should never, you know, should never have been played. But we, you know, we we managed to get a draw again. You know, defensive organisation and hard work, we did very well. But you know, Ipswich at the time were 
you know, in the top two or three. They were like like Liverpool and, and Man City and that now, you know, obviously not technically as good, but but in terms of where they were in the league, they were they were up there with the big four or five teams. And uh, all those other memories of your hat-tricks and uh, even your second stint at Orient, are they still kind of fresh in the memory? Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, I, you know, I, I've got a great rapport at Orient with, with the fans and, you know, and I produce the goods whenever whenever I played. Um, you know, my goals per game ratio is, is virtually one, one in two. Um, and, I mean, the second spell I came back to Orient, it, it wasn't, you know, the club was in decline and they were basically, um, I think there were 10 or 12 points adrift at the bottom of League One when I came back and uh, from Hong Kong and I, I made it my debut on the Friday night and scored the winner with about five minutes to go. Um, they hadn't won for about 10 or 12 games and the week before they got thrashed five Five one at home against Oxford, yeah. and we won that game, and we won another five on the trot. So you know it was a, a real, um, as a good, it was a great run to come back, and and I ended up scoring I think about nine goals in sixteen games that season, um, and the following season I was top scorer with about sixteen in in uh, twenty. 28, 29 games. Yeah. I'd expect nothing less, Peter. <laughs> well, it was brilliant you phoning in on short notice tonight, and we really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we can get you back on the show to have a bit of a longer chat. Yeah, no, that'd be good. Um, shame about the postponement yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, you know, um, and hopefully Oz will um, can get back in amongst the top sides. Yeah, well, fingers crossed, and uh, let's see how we get on the rest of the season. Thanks very much, okay, Peter. cheers. All right, bye. Bye. Well, there you go. His, his Royal Highness Peter Kitchen just dropping in for a few minutes and uh, that was good value for 10 minutes or so. Well, that more or less brings us to the end of the show. Can I say a huge thanks to Nick for guiding me through in the studio and, of course, a massive thank you for our guests Richard Priest and Christian Wheeler for working overtime tonight. Thank you for tuning in. Good night and up the O's. We're not a city, we're not a town We're the only one of us around And you know where we can be found When Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the rest Whatever challenge, whatever test We're late and Orient from each end like an Orient from Eton This is our club and we are proud So sing it up and sing it loud We were formed in 1881 The clans and Orient and so begun The old story we're like an Orient from Eton Whatever challenge has come our way The only faithful are here to stay We will live to fight another day We're like an Orient from Eton Like an Orient from Eton
On the hour, across Brentwood and Billericay. This is Phoenix FM.